Welcome to the Revolutionizing Your Journey podcast with DeAndre Koch, brought to you by Boldly Go. Beyond being the founder of Boldly Go, DeAndre has a deep expertise in financial planning through owning his own financial planning firm. This finance background has provided him unique insights, enabling him to navigate the travel landscape with ease and is considered a renowned travel hacker. On this podcast, we're all about assisting adventurous travelers and budding explorers in tackling their travel hurdles, teaching luxury travel hacking strategies, and highlighting the busy professionals that still find time and ways to get away. Expect travel tips, unforgettable destination stories, and guidance on maximizing your rewards points. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or just starting out, join us in exploring the best of global travel and become an expert luxury travel hacker yourself. This is your journey, but our revolution in the world of travel. Welcome, everybody, to the Revolutionizing Your Journey podcast. I am your host, DeAndre Koch. I am super excited today to bring on a guest, Marcel Payon. I'm excited because I love getting the opportunity to highlight professionals who take the time out of their busy schedule to travel. And Marcel is actually a good buddy of mine. So I'm in Virginia Beach. He's in uh, Norfolk area. He's in DC. So we're only without traffic about three hours apart, but we actually met on the complete other side of the world in Thailand a number of years ago. And since that time, we also took an epic trip to Colombia. And so I'm really excited to share with you some of our travel stories that we have together. Uh, Marcel telling you how he gets to travel and while he lives a busy professional life. And also at the end of the podcast, I am going to give you a couple tips on how you can do a travel hack and stay in Colombia for basically free. So Marcel, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself. Let us know who are you, what do you do for a living, your background, all that fun stuff. Thanks, DeAndre. Glad to be on the podcast. So as you mentioned, uh, you know, my name is Marcel. I am a, a real estate developer here in Washington, D.C., my background is in architecture, so I uh, graduated with a, a master's degree in architecture and practiced as an architect for a few years before I eventually decided to make the switch over into real estate development, which a lot of designers may call the uh, dark side. But I'm really enjoying it. I feel like I'm doing exactly what I've always been wanting to. That also helps to give me the experience I need to um, invest in, in in personal real estate investments. And, and that's, I think, kind of where you and I started discussing, talking about investments and financing and, and different um, investment tools like that. Yeah, it was uh, great. So while we were on this trip in Thailand, which we're going to unpack a little bit more in a second, we would be on a bus, we'd be traveling throughout the country. And I know you and I just kind of hit it off. You'd ask questions about you know different real estate aspects or financial planning. I know you knew I was a financial advisor. I knew you were real estate. So we were just hitting it off really well. Kind of fun fact, I know I've, I've got Marcel's permission to, to, to say this. So he, from a financial planning perspective, he's been a client of mine for years uh, because I work with a lot of young professionals professionals, a lot of people that are doing really well in real estate. And so we were able to parlay some of my expertise that I have working with other clients and some of the strategies that he knows from his uh, day to day. So that was really a cool fit. So we went from you know strangers to meeting and traveling and travel buddies to a professional relationship, which has been awesome. So 
Speaking of how we met, we met through an organization called Under 30 Experiences or, or U30X is the abbreviation. And I was like 29. I think, Marcel, you were just turning 30 maybe that year or had already turned 30. And it's a really cool organization. And what they do is they do group travel for individual travelers. So you basically pick a country uh, and they have a whole itinerary planned out. And it was my first time going with them. Marcel, was you had been on another trip with them before, right? Correct. Yeah. So this was my second trip with U30X. The first time was to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil in 2016. And that was an incredible trip, like definitely one of the best experiences of my life. If we, you know, maybe there's some other time we can go into stories of that trip. But, uh, you know, when I saw Thailand, I, I figured, you know, this is another opportunity to travel with this amazing travel group, meet some, some people. And this also came uh, during a time in my life when I was in between jobs. So it actually worked out really perfectly to go on this trip. Yeah, I uh, so when I was looking for opportunity to get out and travel, and I mentioned in one of my earlier episodes, that was one of my first big solo trips. Uh, I found this organization and they had like 500 five-star reviews. And so I was like, I, I've got to see what it's about. I saw the itinerary. It looked phenomenal and it was great. And I actually hope uh, eventually one day to get Matt Wilson, the founder of that, on an episode here, because I think that would be great for listeners to hear. The cool thing is, is a lot of us have aged out of the under 30. Uh, and so they don't really have a true set age to be able to join their trips. Uh, and they now actually have an over 30 group as well, because a lot of us have been doing their trips for years are now in our you know, mid-30s, late-30s, including the founder. And so that's really cool. So Thailand, Marcel, you tell me what you thought of Thailand. Before I let the listeners know my perspective, I want to hear your perspective. How is Thailand and how does it compare to all the trips and countries you've been to? What's your thoughts? Oh, man, I, I, I love Thailand. Thailand, I, I, it, you truly feel like you are on the other side of the world because it's you know total, totally different cultural norms, food, weather. That's a big one. I remember I landed at like 1130 at night and the humidity hit me like a like a knockout punch. And I was like, wait, this is really what it's like at night. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in the daytime. It, it didn't get any better in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, throughout the trip, I, I loved you know seeing the natural landscape of the country, meeting the really friendly uh, people, um, just, you know, participating in a lot of the, the fascinating cultures, such as visiting multiple temples throughout the country, some in Bangkok, some in Chiang Mai. So, and of course, you know, ending the trip um, on, a, on a beach resort town as well. Um, it's definitely a place I would highly recommend. Cost of living is very affordable compared to the United States. As I mentioned, I was in between jobs and I, and I still managed to have a great time while I was over there. Uh, it's a place I would highly recommend for anyone that's looking to travel to uh, Southeast Asia. So I second all of what you said. Uh, I arrived. So I think the U30 trip was about a 12 or 13 day itinerary. And I arrived like four days in advance. And I remember I was looking up where to stay. And it was like one of the top rated hotels in Bangkok, like a five star hotel was like 90 bucks a night. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So stayed there. And then it was just overall a really cool experience. I know one of my highlights and for listeners out there, when anyone asks me what's my favorite country I've ever been to, it's Thailand. The reason why is because you can have whatever experience you want to have in Thailand. If you want the cultural experience and learning and, and, and being in temples and hanging out with monks, you can do it. 
if you want to bathe elephants in a river, which Marcel and I both did, <laughs> you can do it. If you want pristine beaches and waters, you can do it. And if you want to party your face off in some of the most insane ways, you can do it. So that is why Thailand is the top of my list. And I also remember, I think both of us, Marcel, we were uh, aficionados for like the super inexpensive massages. And I know some people can think of Asia and massages and all, you know, kind of weird hanky panky stuff. No, I'm talking legit like high end massages where a 90 minute massage was $15. And I yeah. remember like every 30 minute increment only creased by five bucks, which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Marcel, do you remember how many massages you had in your like week and yeah. a half trip? I was going to say, I think we got massages every single day. Like no joke. Massages are, are extremely affordable. I remember telling people, you know, whenever I got back to the United States, telling people that I would get a full body hour long Thai massage for like, yeah, 10, 10 to 15 bucks or something like that. And if it was ever, if there was ever a, a place that charged more than that, it was always like, wait, what? There's no <laughs> way I'm going to pay those prices. Get out of here. But of course, you know, those prices, you know, are are extremely affordable to anything that you're going to find here in the United States. Yeah, I uh, I remember the two best massages I had. One was from an, a little old lady who's probably five foot nothing and probably in her late 60s. And all I remember her saying was, today you die. <laughs> and she crawled on top of the table and walked like individually on my calf, like her whole body weight on each muscle. And it was so intense and yeah. felt so amazing. It was awesome. And then the second one was a really big guy, actually, who did a compression massage and cracked my whole spine in ways I think my chiropractor hasn't done. And <laughs> it was amazing. So Thailand was incredible i know in our trip there because it was a group of about 10 or 12 of us maybe you know maybe 10 of us we had three stops so we did bangkok and i know we got the party on khao san road which is like thailand's bourbon street which is the most insane place i've ever been in my life chiang mai which is more in the interior and then we went down to the beaches with the pristine water in riley marcel what was your favorite part Kind of across the board, what would you say? Oh, man. Uh, Bangkok was amazing because I didn't realize, I mean, I always knew Bangkok was a, was, was a large, major city, but I didn't realize just how big of a metropolis it really is. I, I would almost rival it with New York, just in, tens of, just in terms of scale and density. Because Bangkok was such a major metropolis, there was always you know, activities and things to do throughout the city. Uh, unfortunately, I think we were only there one or two nights, so we didn't get a whole lot to do besides, you know, of course, party on Kasan Road. Chiang Mai was a lot of fun. I would probably describe Chiang Mai to D.C. the way Bangkok is to New York, where it's a little bit smaller, a little bit cleaner, a little bit less chaotic, but still also a really great time. We were able to walk around on our own. Uh, in Chiang Mai, we were able to, you know, get around to different places a lot easier in Chiang Mai than we could in Bangkok, just because it's a, a, a bit of a smaller, more manageable city. Uh, and then Krabi was, or Raleigh, I should say, which is the uh, beach town um, in southern Thailand that we went to, was also really nice. Unfortunately, when we got there, it had started to rain and we had pretty much like monsoon rains the entire time we were there. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we, we didn't let it we didn't let that get our spirits down. We still managed to have a good time, even went out on a boat tour in the middle of the rain to uh, swim with fishes. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was that was pretty, pretty insane. I was talking yeah. about there's always something to do. I remember we got split up. I know you swear by this. 
I still don't believe it happened, but you swear by it. We got sw split up in Bangkok and we took different tuk-tuks to get back to our hotel. And you guys arrived like 30 minutes after us because you said a marathon was going on. And I was like, dude, it's one o'clock in the morning. And you're like, I swear there was a thousand people running in the streets like a marathon. Still to this day, I question that, <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll let you have it. Well, the people that were with me in the Tuk Tuk, Tatum and Melissa, they can vouch for this saying that, yes, there was a thousand person marathon that blocked our, our commute back to the Airbnb at one o'clock in the morning. That's fair. <laughs> did not fair. hallucinate it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Marcel. So I know since then, uh, you and I have kept in touch. Of course, we've had some a, a professional relationship as well. But you're also really big on getting a trip in around your birthday, which I know is in January. And you and I took one 2021 uh, because it was it was still kind of COVID time to Colombia, specifically Cartagena. I won't let you talk about this trip because you actually planned it, which I'm not used to going on a trip that someone else plans the entire thing. And you were like, hey, like this is where we're going. This is where we're staying. This is the Airbnb. This is what I found on Instagram. So I want you to talk through what you saw, why Cartagena, and yeah, like that was an incredible trip. I absolutely loved it, but I'll let you chat about it. Sure, sure. Yeah, Cartagena, Colombia was another really great time. It was a destination I had been wanting to go to for a really long time. You know, Caribbean weather, delicious Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean uh, food as well. And, and I was kind of also hoping to find a wife down there, but that unfortunately did not happen. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, this was during uh, the pandemic. So vaccines hadn't quite yet rolled out. So there was a lot of nervousness and anxiety about taking the trip in the first place. But, you know, I, I eventually did commit to going and obviously notified DeAndre and he um, decided to come down with me as well. We were in Cartagena for the first, uh, I want to say, two or three nights. Uh, we got a really nice Airbnb, definitely one of the nicest Airbnbs I've, I've stayed at, which was right in the old walled city. Very accessible and walking distance to a lot of the major locations, destinations within the city of Cartagena. I think our first day, we just kind of walked around, just explored, you know, took pictures from different areas. And then I think the second day, we, we took a, a trip out, like a day trip out to um, this tiny little beach maybe a few miles off the main coast. The tiny little island is called Bendita Beach. It's literally a sandbar in the middle of the ocean where the water around it is the clearest, bluest water I have ever seen in my life. It literally felt like swimming in a swimming pool. It was warm. It was clear. It was clean. It was honestly paradise. It was a really great experience being there. They even served us like a lunch of like fried fish and plantains. Uh, and, and so it was a really, I don't remember exactly how much the package cost, but they basically pick you up from the port, take a boat out to the island, give you lunch, give you drinks, and then you take the boat back into the island. The whole thing probably was about four hours, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was it was an entire day trip. So we we got to the port in the morning and we didn't get back till like late afternoon. I think it was more because we, we, yeah. we had a few hours to just kill and snorkel and, you know, I got to do some drone footage and a lot of really cool things. And they had, there was like random, like sp spider monkeys and parrots on the island as yeah. well that uh, were been domesticated. So they were kind of like pets for at least for the locals that, that kind of lived on that little sandbar slash Island. It was a really cool experience overall. I, I really would recommend anyone to go to Bendita beach. It was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. 
There are a lot of uh, um, groups that offer charter boats, if you will, to a bunch of different islands and, and beaches just off the main coast of Cartagena. There's a really popular one. I forgot the name of it right now. But the reason I specifically chose Bendita Beach was because it was a little bit less popular. Um, it was a little bit further away from some of the other major destinations. And uh, really glad we did that. Um, it turned out to be a really good decision in the end. When we got back to Cartagena, another reason I love Cartagena and wanted to visit it, as I previously mentioned, my background is in architecture. So the architecture of the city of Cartagena is very uh, Spanish colonial. And so if you've ever been to Old San Juan or to Oaxaca or, you know, there's a variety of cities around the world that, you know, have that typical traditional colonial architecture, which is really Instagrammable, if, for lack of a better word. Not to mention uh, the amazing uh, cuisine that's there as well. For sure. And I'm actually super glad that you found that island that was off the beaten path because as much as I enjoyed Cartagena and and I will say also from a color standpoint, like they take so much pride in their colors, right? Gold, red, and blue are their flag. And that's just everywhere. It's a very vibrant place. But of all the things I like, one of the things I dislike the most of every country I've been to, everywhere I've been to, uh, especially in the walled city, which is where we stayed, the hagglers in that city were the most aggressive of anywhere I'd ever been. And I'm, I've got a pretty good, uh, well, I've got a you know demeanor, but also I can let that stuff kind of brush off of me. But it was really, really bad to the point that like they had like little kids coming up to us on a, uh, like every time they saw us, people almost grabbing us to try to get us to buy a look at their wares. That was the one low light, I would say. And a lot of people that went to some of the more popular larger islands with beach tours, they experienced those same things on those islands. But when we went to Benita Beach, completely clear. We got to relax. No one bothered us. It, it was awesome. Before we go on to where we went next that you plan, Marcel, I got to tell a story because this is also probably my craziest travel story of all time. And that is that we, one of the nights I decided I wanted to fly my drone. We had a little older model drone than what I use now. And it was giving me some trouble. And I was in a area that was clear to fly. So to be very clear, I like to check to make sure I can fly where I was. So we went to the rooftop of our Airbnb and I took the drone off like I always do. And it wasn't responding immediately to my commands. And so it, it went off in the distance and then it automatically said unresponsive landing now. And, but it was, it was very far away. And so it just started going landing in its spot. And to shorten the story a bit, it essentially just disappeared into the city at night. So I go out of my room and keep in mind, this is also during COVID. So there's a curfew and the curfew was everybody indoors or you're basically getting arrested if you're not indoors. I think it was either midnight or one. And we were pretty much like seven minutes from curfew. So I go out my door and there was a guard that we had that kind of watched over some property across the way from us. He immediately says, how can I help you? And I told him and he said, okay, come with me. So he grabs me and he starts knocking on neighbor on the doors in the town at again, midnight and people start answering and they say, no, I'll send my son up to look to see if it was on their roof. And I'm like, dude, like, it's like, like, no, I don't want to disturb all these people at midnight. He's like, it'll be fine. Then a lady across the street says, oh, it crashed into the street as police were coming and they confiscated it. And I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm not trying to deal with the Colombian police right now. He's like, no, 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 it'll be fine. He hails a cab. The cab driver picks us up. 
uh, Marcel's at the room and I was like, I'll text you, man. And so I take off and Marcel's like manning the Ford at the Airbnb. We go flying through the streets. And I thought the cab driver was just aggressive in general in his driving. But then I realized, so he's drinking a beer. He's got a beer in his cup holder. And then he passes back to the guy who was talking to me, Coke, basically, to take. So him and the guy are on drugs. Uh, and now I'm like, this is where I die. And we go to the police station and I'm, it's already past curfew. I'm like, I'm walking to a police station asking for a drone. I'm absolutely getting arrested here. The police officer wants nothing to do with us. They're speaking, they're going back and forth in Spanish. I do speak fluent Spanish. So I'm understanding everything that's happening. Eventually the police officer says, we will go, we can go to a different precinct. That's where they have it. So we again go speeding through the town and I'm kind of at the mercy because I can't get another taxi. Curfew is on. I'm like, this is really a bad idea. We get to this other precinct and there's one officer on this precinct and I see the drone there just flashing. It's in pieces because it crashed, but it's flashing. And he goes, we go up and explain. He said, okay, can I see your passport? As I go to pull up my passport, another taxi pulls up. Man gets out, starts yelling, opens the door, and the drunk woman falls out of the taxi. And the taxi driver is yelling at the police officer. And the police officer said, just just take it and go because he has to deal with that. And we got out of there and I got back to my Airbnb, relayed this crazy story to Marcel of how I thought I was going to Colombian jail and, or getting in going to crash because of a coked up taxi driver. So wild story. <laughs> that I wanted to share because I don't know any other opportunity I have to share that. Uh, but after that, I think the very next day we went to a different town called Palomino and yeah. Marcel, I know you love that spot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that story is, is even though I wasn't there, I still tell my friends about it because it was just so wild. The series of events that happened. Oh, uh, it was, it was absolutely crazy. It was, yeah. and I was truly terrified and so thankful when I got back alive and not in jail and no one ran my passport and I was able to leave the country. <laughs> yeah. yeah, glad that the only thing that came out of it was a, a good story that we can laugh at now. For sure. So, yeah, like you mentioned, the next day we uh, we had like a, a shuttle schedule to take us to Palomino, which is about a four hour bus drive. Yeah, it was about four hours. Four hours. Yeah. Once again, this is during COVID. So I'm like super nervous about being in a you know, enclosed area with with, you know, other people. Thankfully, you know, throughout the entire trip, I never got sick. We finally get to Palomino. It's a really small, underdeveloped town that's right on the beach. We had a we had booked a, a hostel to stay there. And I know most people, they're probably they might be thinking a hostel. Really? Like, why would you stay in a hostel? But this one was actually more of a boutique hostel. It was, you know, really small, really intimate. They had a pool. They had a kitchen on site where they would cook all you know meals from breakfast all the way through dinner. They also serve beer and liquor there. So you honestly could just sit sit by the pool all day and be completely content. And both uh, of us had, uh, you had a private room as well, right, Marcel? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good point to mention is that we intentionally both booked private rooms. That way we could at least have our own privacy and not have to worry about other people coming in and out at all hours of the day or, or worrying about our personal items. Yeah, um, hands down, one of the best hostels I've stayed at in the world from a staff standpoint, beauty, location to the beach. It was it was really, really cool. It was incredible. I, I highly recommend it. I believe the name was uh, Casa del Pavo Real, mm -hmm. um, House of the Real Turkey. Uh, really 
great, great times while we were there. Met some people that were from Switzerland as well as the Netherlands. Matter of fact, some of them actually ended up dating and they're now married with the, with a kid from that weekend trip, which is incredible. Yeah. The primary reason of going to Palomino was because of a national park nearby called Tairona National Park. Um, this park is known for its incredible, pristine, natural beaches. I had heard about it from a friend of mine who had traveled to Palomino before, and he highly recommended doing uh, going to that uh, national park. I had done some research ahead of time knowing that it was a place that we probably were going to spend the night since it was very strenuous just to get in and through the park to finally get to the beach. And so I had given DeAndre a heads up that, hey, make, you know, we're going to stay on the beach, you know, for a night. So bring like a backpack with some clothes and things like that. And throughout my research, I also saw that there was actually two entrances into the park. There's the main primary entrance that most people that come to visit the park go through. And the path to get from that entrance to the beach is relatively moderate. There are some challenging areas to to try to traverse, but for the most part, it's relatively not too challenging. The second entrance, on the other hand, you wouldn't know about it unless you've done some research or, or someone can point you in the right direction. It's literally uh, it was like a, it was like a, a just a dirt path. Like the main entrance was a gate. You saw buses pulling in, like a little general store. Yeah, like vendors. you know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like think of like the main entrance to like a theme park, right? Like it's very clearly labeled. This other place was just a dirt road. Yeah, that you would never know what it would lead to. Yeah, I don't even know if there was a sign saying, "Hey, you know, this way towards the park." Like we literally, the we we had taken a bus from the from our hostel to this area to the second entrance. The bus just dropped us off. And we're just kind of looking around like, where's the entrance to the park? Thankfully, there were these guys on like these motorbikes that were like, you guys looking for the uh, way to get into the uh, the park? We're like, yeah, yeah. And we figured that we we're going to walk. But they informed us that the walk was going to take about an hour and a half. Whereas if, if we got on their motorbikes, it would be about a 20 minute ride to it would be about a 20 minute bike ride to the point where we could then get off and then walk another two hours or so. Yeah. Yeah. A couple yeah. of hours to get to the actual beach. You know, we were like, okay, well let's shorten, you know, rather than walk an hour and a half just to get to that point, let's just get these bikes 20 minutes and then we can walk from there. And so, you know, we stocked up on some fruit, some uh, water and, you know, things like that. And then got on these guys, motorbikes, each, you know, me, Deandre and another uh, friend of ours that we met while we were down there. And um, took these bikes. DeAndre has some video that was really incredible of us. <laughs> yeah, we're literally, I'm literally holding on to a guy riding a motorcycle through the, well, a, a dirt bike, but motorized dirt bike through the jungle. It was intense. And then as we were walking, then as we got dropped off, we walked through the jungle and um, we were seeing like monkeys swinging above us, like super cool, nice two hour hike. And when DeAndre says the jungle, he literally means the jungle. Oh I'm yeah, talking about like <laughs> you hear you hear uh, wild noises out in the distance. There is literally no cell service. I remember as we were walking, telling these guys, I'm like, if something happens to us, God forbid something happens to us, that's it. Like no one's ever gonna know where we are. To us, it would take forever before like some sort of. I don't even. Yeah, there was a reason why the dirt bikes couldn't keep going past a certain point. So I'm like, we we have to get to the beach at this point. Yeah, 
And so we, we, we made it to the beach, which that entrance actually led out to a nudist beach. And you walked around, we walked down the sand, maybe half a mile. And we opened up to the main park where the other people from the other entrance was there. They had a restaurant, uh, they had, uh, some porta potties and stuff. And so, and you had a place where you can rent tents. So basically got to eat good food, sit on the beach, chill, slept in our own tents, and then uh, we woke up and saw the sunset or sun. Well, we watched the sunset and saw the sunrise right on the beach there that morning, which was really cool. However, I do think that tent is where I ended up getting a tick under my eye, uh, which made me very sick for a few days. And that was a whole other process and part of the story. But just for sake of time, because we had we, I want to move on. Marcel, I know. So we had these two really cool experiences and I knew there was a lot of great stories that we could talk for hours on this. But what about some of your other travels, right? You mentioned Oaxaca, Mexico. Not many people know about that place. I know you've recently been to, to Europe as well. Uh, and, uh, birthday trips. I think you have a trip coming up to Egypt. So, so you know, tell us about some of your recent trips and then also about like, how do you do manage this with like work and your schedule and, and your busy life that you have in general? Yeah, no, real good question. So, uh, yeah, you highlighted that I, I like taking an annual birthday trip. So my birthday is in January, which the majority of the United States is really cold during that time. And so to try to escape the cold, I, I, I fly to places that are generally warmer than where I currently live in D.C. In 2022, I went to Oaxaca, Mexico, which is a, a state just south of Mexico City um, within Mexico. I was in the uh, the main city called Oaxaca City for a few days and then went down to the coast called uh, to a town called Mazunte for you know another three, four nights and then back to Oaxaca City where I took off. So it was essentially a very similar itinerary to what we did in Colombia. And that was a really great time. Also, you know, great people, great culture, amazing food. Matter of fact, Oaxaca is actually known for their cuisine. I believe it's a UNESCO heritage site um, because of that or, or something like that. Last or this year, 2023, I went to Portugal for my birthday. Yeah, while it's not quite the Caribbean and not quite as warm as some other destinations, Portugal is actually more mild in the winter than it is than here in DC. Uh, while I was out there, I stayed in Lisbon and in Porto as well. Both areas, I, well, the entire country of Portugal, I, I highly recommend if you're into traveling to Europe. Flights from the East Coast are, are really easy and frequent. They're not, at least when I went, it wasn't that expensive to book a flight. And then once you're in Portugal, the cost of living is also not very expensive compared to other uh, European countries like England or France. The food in Portugal is also really good. Maybe you can see a trend here. I, I, I love to eat good, authentic cuisine. Nice. So that's, that's a big part of why I travel as well. I had a really great time. And and even though it was um, a, a little bit colder trip, um, overall, it was a great time without any sort of major issues or, or anything like that. Um, so, so do you have a unlimited PTO that lets you do all this travel? How do you get it all done? No, I do not have a unlimited PTO. I wish I did. Uh, so like most companies, I have about two or three weeks of vacation time. The way we split up, you know, personal time off versus sick days and all that, that's, you know, it, it's it's nuanced. But essentially, there's about two two to three weeks of, of time off I can take. And uh, the year 2023, 
I like to say is a year of travel, at least for me. I was able to book several flights throughout this year, almost one a month to go to different places. And, and the way I was able to do that was a lot of trips, booking them around the holiday weekends. So for example, I flew down to Mexico City over 4th of July weekend. 4th of July, I believe, was a Monday. And so um, I took off, I flew in on Friday, stayed Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, and then came back on Monday. So that's, that's how I'm able to really maximize the amount of time off. Um, another trip I took back in April was to Tulum and uh, was able to work remotely for that trip. My job allows me to work remotely. There's not a real mandate to be in the office, although it is highly encouraged. And so rather than take any time off, I was like, well, you know, the majority of my team is, you know, remote anyway. So, you know, what difference does it make if I'm in another country? So long as I, you know, make sure I'm on time for meetings, I can have good internet connection to respond to emails or anything that's asked me. Let's give this a shot. So I went down to Tulum, uh, actually stayed in uh, DeAndre's uh, condo that he has down there and uh, worked for a whole week and, you know, didn't skip, a, didn't miss a beat with work. You know, none of my coworkers had to ask where I was or, or, or complain about me, you know, missing things or missing meetings. Um, so, you know, from because Tulum is an hour behind D.C., my hours were essentially eight to four. And then after four o'clock, I could go down to the beach, have happy hour there, hang out in the sun, just enjoy enjoy being in the area before um, having to call it a night. For those of you that do have the flexibility uh, to be able to work remotely, that's something I would highly encourage taking a look at. Awesome. So any do you have any travel hacks yourself for the listeners, kind of how you find deals? How do you keep expenses low, making the most of your time there? Anything particular? I know you just talked about splitting a trip across a weekend or a holiday weekend or long weekend, whatever it may be. Anything else that you found that's really beneficial for yourself uh, or a strategy that you use pretty often that you think the listeners would love to hear? Yeah, the best thing I would say, the best thing that I do, I would say is uh, get a travel rewards credit card. I'm sure you've probably plugged a few different ones on this podcast before. But I have the Chase Sapphire Reserved card. Great card. Um, yeah, Great not card. that anyone needs to have the reserve. They also offer a preferred, which is, which has a lower annual fee. But the benefit to using that card for all of my expenses is that I'm able to accumulate points that I can then use to purchase plane tickets with. And so if my flight to, I don't know, Argentina is $800, what I typically do, and you know, everyone can do this differently, I'll apply $400 worth of points to that plane ticket. So that way I'm only coming out $400 out of my pocket to pay for the remainder of the ticket, if that makes any sense. Got it. Got it. So yes, Chase Sapphire Preferred is, uh, sorry, Chase Sapphire Reserve specifically is one of my favorite, if not my favorite travel card out there. One of the ones I highly, highly, highly recommend. And you can go through Marcel's route, which is applying a mixture of points and dollars for a ticket purchase. One of the things I talk about a lot is transferring those points from the Chase portal into the airline that you're looking to book. And you can a lot of times get even more value when you go about it that way. So speaking of while we're on the subject of actually executing a hack, one of the things that you could do uh, if you're thinking, hey, I would love to go check out Cartagena and go to Colombia, 
Flights are really inexpensive. I checked around spring break, April timeframe. You can go from Atlanta or JFK or Miami to Columbia, to Cartagena specifically, for $200, $400, really inexpensive flights. So I wouldn't even really bother using points. You could. You know, it might be twelve to 20,000 points, but the tickets are really inexpensive. But one of the things I've talked about as well is you always want to get more than two times of value, or at least two times, if not more, of value per point that you use. And just as a reminder, we have the calculator online. If you go to boldlygo.world slash calculator, uh, you can see, make sure that you're redeeming your points for enough value. But down there, the Hyatt Regency in Cartagena, in the month of April, you can find nights that are $360 a night for only 12,000 points. And you can transfer those points from Chase. Uh, so if you had you know, 36,000 points in Chase, you could transfer that over to Hyatt, and that's going to get you three nights in Cartagena completely for free, just like that. So that would be essentially a great three times redemption on your points if you're getting 12,000 points per night and the cash value is $360. Marcel, any other points you have on that? Yeah, one thing to add, you know, in terms of researching or looking for affordable flights, a lot of people think they have to look on a certain day of the week or a certain time of the day or, or things like that. Um, something that I would recommend is signing up for a newsletter called Going formerly known as Scott's Cheap Flights. They send you notifications of affordable flights all throughout the country from your home airport so you can see approximately how much those flights will cost. Now, the trick is to act on those immediately because low fares aren't don't last forever. Some people would recommend buying the flight and then figuring out the trip later as opposed to figuring out a trip and then trying to book a ticket around that. However, if you do, if that is your strategy to to you have a specific destination in mind and you're trying to find an affordable flight, then what I've tended to do is just playing around with the different the dates, the the hours, and even sometimes the airports. Uh, I'm privileged enough to live in Washington D.C. that has three airports to choose from. So if for whatever reason my primary airport is too expensive to fly out of, then I, I have two other airports I can also select from. Awesome. Marcel, any other final words of advice or inspiration or anything like that that you have for the listeners here? Yeah, I. if you can do it, if your schedule allows and your budget allows, I say travel often. Travel is one of the things that allows you to grow rich culturally and, and, and expands your experience and your perspective on the world. And not only that, but money will eventually come back to you. Your time will not. So when you have the opportunity to travel, I highly encourage it. I wholeheartedly agree. How should the listeners connect with you? Um, what, what, how'd you like them to connect with you? Yeah, I'm really active on Instagram. My handle is at M-G-P-E-A-N. That's at M-G-P-E-A-N. That's where they can find me and, and engage with me. We'll include that in the show notes. Were you going to add something else, Marcel? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to connect with me on a professional level. Perfect. Well, Marcel, I do thank you for your time today. This was great. Love again the opportunity to recap uh, some of our stories. I know you and I could go for hours talking through the stories and experiences and breaking down in more detail, but I know the listeners like the more condensed version. Uh, I know this was a little long today, uh, but hopefully they enjoyed some of the stories that we shared and some of the ways that you are able to get more into travel. 
So just as a reminder for you out there, please make sure to follow us on all the social platforms, especially Instagram for the stories that we post live during our travels. Uh, and make sure you visit the boldlygo.world website and sign up for our newsletter. You're going to get access to insider recommendations on credit cards that are great for travel hacking, a card category breakdown cheat sheet as well. If you're trying to figure out well, which card is better for gas versus groceries or whatever it may be, we're going to have that breakdown for you there. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, find a travel partner and get out and experience the world. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning into the Revolutionizing Your Journey podcast brought to you by Boldly Go. Hit that follow button so you don't miss out on new episodes. For deeper insights and to level up your travel game with our strategies, book a consultation with us. Head over to www.boldlygo.world to set it up and explore more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boldly Go. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The strategies and results referenced on this site, while proven, are not guaranteed. While most who apply the principles referenced will achieve similar results, you may not yourself. Your results will vary and depend on many factors that may be in or out of your control, but include factors such as your credit score, financial status, business experience, etc. It is your responsibility to consume and implement these recommendations at your own risk. We cannot be held responsible for any failure to do so.